Hey, Wilder. Hello, Hollister. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We have so much to talk about. Okay, first of all, Brian and Shanette, who sometimes podcast on Screen Thoughts, called me on the phone, both of them. They FaceTimed me, and they were vibrantly saying they loved our podcast on Queen's Gambit, but they were extremely concerned about our lack of attention to the younger girl. Oh, okay. Which, by the way, you know something? I said, I think that's because it was a seamless transition from one actor to the oh. other. So I didn't really notice it as much. But they had a point. She did an amazing job. You know, everybody in it did an amazing job. But they were just totally offended that we gave no information out on this person. Do you have anything to say about her? I thought the first episode was really good. And she carried it. And she did a great job about that moment where she's where she breaks in. <laughs> to the infirmary or the pharmacy or whatever it's called and just takes the whole thing of those pills. I was like, you go girl. I was, <laughs> I was with her. Well, you know, it's funny. But she also looked very much like her. And I, I don't really think I thought about her because I did think it was a seamless transition, but her name is Isla Johnston and she did do a great job. No question. Now she was also in invasion and national treasure in 2018 and Unmourned, those are her credits to date. She's got five credits, which makes this even stronger for her. I mean, because what a what an incredible thing to go through, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think she did a good job. I, I loved the, the chocolate scene. I think that was probably the most active we saw her. She's, she's good. She's just, it, it's a flat character until Anya jumps in, I think. But that's also hard to do. That's a really good point. And I actually, in our podcast, mentioned the chocolate scene. I thought it was yeah. brilliantly done. So, all right. So we're sorry if we didn't acknowledge her <laughs> largely enough. But secondly, I have to give you the numbers. I just got them. We get all kinds of information that is sometimes interesting. Sometimes. No, but because we do screen thoughts, we get all kinds of stuff. So get this. The Queen's Gamut debuted on Netflix on October 23rd. So how long? It's like six weeks ago. Well, okay, gotcha. Get this, 62 million households have watched the show. That's pretty good. Okay, you have to assume that in most of the households, other than mine, there's more than one person watching, right? Yeah, which probably. Which means the Queen's Gambit has had more eyeballs than people who voted for Trump. I'm just saying. <laughs> Assuming your premise is correct, that there are multiple okay. people watching, and then, then yes. You are then right. okay. It, in six weeks for sixty-two million households, that's that's really unbelievable if you think about it. Yeah, I. Especially, they didn't pay a lot of money. They didn't pay any money. There was nothing on TV. In other words, their marketing of that thing was pretty much word of mouth, don't you think? I don't know if that's true. Netflix has their own online advertising, and they also advertise on cable television, which cracks me up. Yeah, I didn't see it anywhere. It didn't come across my thing. But get this. Inquiries for chess sets are up 250% on eBay. That's fantastic. I love that. Google search queries for how to play chess has hit an all-time high in nine years. And the original novel for The Queen's Gambit is now a New York Times bestseller 37 years after its release. Yeah, people who think entertainment doesn't have an impact are crazy. <laughs> I know, you know, that's such a good way to end that segment on it. I, I think that's absolutely true. And also, I'm glad it's a good show. Like, it's, 
I don't know, just something. It seems that what's the point of a film or a series? And that's one of the questions I'm going to ask you. In the horror genre, you made me watch. Excuse me. Run. That was your choice. Thank you very much. It was? Yes. Oh, I, oh, my God. Choice. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, also, we got a couple of things from last week's podcast on The Undoing. From Kathy, great podcast, you guys, but disappointing ending. Seems like everything I read agrees. Wilder, you liked it? You weren't disappointed, bored? You seemed to be someone who would have felt let down with that ending, Kathy. Okay, now I just want to say, what? Wait, are you saying she's the smart girl and I'm not? <laughs> Is that what Kathy's saying? You said here? Wilder. Are you? Ta- did you mean Hollister? No, she said it to you. I didn't like it. I know, but you didn't say anything about the ending. Did we talk about the ending? Not really. Well, we didn't know about the ending at that point. No, I thought the ending was awful. (laughs) Well, I think, so basically what she's saying is we didn't know the ending when we podcast this, but she's asking you if you liked that ending or were you bored? Oh, no, I thought the ending was terrible. It was like, they ran out of ideas. It was this massive whodunit to turn out to be, sorry, I don't want to spoil it. They didn't pay off the whodunit, let's just say that. And then it turns into this ridiculous thriller kidnapping chase. They land a helicopter on a bridge. It's so over the top. It's so dramatic. And then it just ends. There's no like, and the child's getting therapy and he's getting back to normal. And, you know, he's in prison and things are, no, it just ends. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because I did read a lot about it this week. I, I went to a lot of the Facebook pages and boards and stuff. What struck me is everybody was talking about it, you know, how the ending was bad and uh, the whodunit, what, what, there was no payoff and everything else. And then I thought, well, if we only look at it as a whodunit series, then that's probably true. But for me, it wasn't a whodunit series. It was watching the growth of a woman who always took the back seat, was kind of shy, very smart, but she never really stood her ground. And I saw the arc of the development of her in this movie and at the ending. I mean, that last court scene, I thought it was brilliant. So for me, it was really about learning the Nicole Kidman character. And maybe it's because I'm a woman who is so tired of the patriarchal society that is running my government and my country and the world, and it's crashing us all, that to watch this woman take control, be smart, not be reactive, but be proactive, I thought just to watch for Nicole Kidman's growth and everything, I thought was worth I it. apologize in advance, but I could not disagree more. I think she's she's set up to <laughs> Wait, be- Wait, only a woman would apologize. Why should you apologize well, for not agreeing? I think she's possibly the worst therapist of all time. <laughs> oh, no, I, lo- I love her. I, I she can't see what's happening in her own family at all. She can't see past her husband's con man. She didn't see it, that's true. But once she did- she was but we don't girl. know if she sees past it because of his actions towards the son or if she actually sees past it. They don't answer that. Oh, I don't know. You know, I think she started to see past it all the way along. It was a journey, but I was happy to take it with her. And I was really thrilled with the end of it. I mean, I granted that last scenes were a bit much. <laughs> but... Now, I also saw Hugh Grant interviewed and... He said he really liked the character, but what was so silly was, I saw two interviews with him actually. 
every single one of these interviewers seemed to feel the need to start out and focus on, this is such a unique set of being the rom-com guy that everybody loves. You know, how'd you feel being a bad guy? I mean, like, why don't you just talk about his acting acumen? And, you know, it's just, we, we just place everybody in these boxes. And I thought the interviewers were terrible when they were talking to him. And you could tell he did too. It was almost like he was rolling his eyes saying, is this what we're going to talk well, about? You know, how about the development of the character? It's accurate though, because he's addressed it himself, that he put himself in that box, right? He wishes earlier on yeah, in absolutely. his career yeah. that he had taken more interesting roles, that he wasn't just the rom-com guy. So yeah. I do think those questions are valid because aside from a very English scandal, which by the way is fantastic you mentioned and he is fantastic in it i haven't seen him stretch so much in a role and i love that he leans into those rom-com attributes that make him so charming and wonderful and the leading man and they're all the things that we love about him that end up making him the villain no i agree i agree absolutely all right which leads us to this week's horror genre by the way i did look in screen thoughts and we've had more than 380 podcasts in screen thoughts over the last seven years we've never done a horror movie well i don't know if this is a horror so much as a thriller but i well it's yeah but it was listed as horror thriller but horror it slated everywhere as a horror film did sorry can i interrupt real quick did we get any yeah. response on our Hillbillyology podcast? No. Oh, okay. Well, I don't really think anybody watched it. I won't know till tomorrow, but I don't think it was, you know, the undoing millions of people are following. I don't know that they'll follow. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. But. okay, so we've never done a horror film before. And I thought that Wilder picked the film, but she corrected me before we started to tell me <laughs> knew it was me. But anyway, the film is run and you can watch it Hulu. on you can watch it on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm going to introduce it. I went to Jeanette Katsoulis from the New York Times mm-hmm. because she introduces it so much better than I could. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, is that not great? That's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Jeanette, I'm committed to you for heretofore. That's you hysterical. Know? Okay. Balancing on the backs of umpteen matriarch from hell movies... The director, Anish Shiganti, who, by the way, also authored it, brings us Run, a nifty little thriller whose title pleads for an exclamation point. And not just because it's hyperventilating style. Sarah Paulson's performance in the role of Diane, a single mother so controlling she's more prison warden than parent, flickers with camp. That tone is on display when Diane insinuates to fellow homeschoolers that for the past 17 years, her sickly daughter, Chloe, has made her life a misery at servitude, and it fully blooms in the movie's demented, operatic final scenes when the scales tip. Okay, you know, you can't introduce it better than that, but did you like it? What's your take? Well, I think Hulu has cornered the market for Munchausen syndrome, oddly. (laughs) They did the act. I don't know if you... Watch that with Patricia Arquette yeah. and... What, do you, do you recommend it? No. Okay. <laughs> People really liked it and Patricia, I think, got an Emmy for it. And they all got nominated, but I just... This, like... I'm so over the crazy mother story, but I think if anyone's going to do it, Sarah Paulson's the one. <laughs> I freaking love her. It's funny. You know, she did it and made it believable and not crazy absurd. Yes, yeah, I thought her performance was great, but... 
I did not think they developed her character. I didn't know how she got to be the person she was. And so I thought it's, they answered that. I thought in the end they answered. Well, they sh- yeah, they showed that she her baby died, but I didn't think it was enough. But interestingly enough, get this, a deleted scene, which we never saw, shows that Diane was the child of a very abusive mother who killed herself in front of her at the age of seven. Huh. So this helps to explain Diane's back scars. Once I oh, read right. that, I forgot, I thought, okay. I forgot that yeah. they show that and they don't pay that off. I'm kind of glad they didn't show that though. Like it's okay for us to know it. I'm, but I'm glad like, no, they never shared it at all. No, I know. I, I like it, it would have been okay for them to tell us as an audience, but showing that is yeah. just gratuitous. I think in a movie that's already gratuitous. <laughs> well, in the queen's gambit, we watched her mother commit suicide. Yeah. Again with gratuitous. I think less is more. I'm always less Boy, is more I trying to tell you. You're you're not it's not an easy crowd, you know. Don't send your movie here to us. <laughs> you don't want it. <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching this though cuz part of what makes this a little bit different is how smart the daughter is. Oh my god. Now also she's in a wheelchair in real life, you know? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Her name's Kara Allen and the only other film she did it was in 2014 was Ethan and Sky which I did not see mm-hmm. and that's probably because she's in a wheelchair and there just aren't roles for women in wheelchairs mm-hmm. like that. I thought she was mesmerizing. I couldn't take my eyes off her. I think her face is phenomenal. I think she's made for the screen. I thought she was wonderful. They were both really good and if there was ever a movie to be shot during COVID though I think it was shot before this. This yeah, you know, there's only four people, right? Anish exactly. did a film a couple years ago called Searching, which I saw at Sundance. And it was kind of like an experimental, can I do this type of movie? It's all in computer or cell phone. Everything uh-huh. is within a digital screen of some sort. It's John Cho and Deborah Messing. I love Deborah Messing. Yeah. She, it also gets a bit campy, but. John Cho's daughter goes missing and it's the whole investigation into where she is and trying to find her. They think she ran away. But I was fascinated that after an hour, I wasn't sick of it. I wasn't sick of the experiment that was, can we do this within a computer screen or a phone screen or what have you? Towards the end, it kind of gets a little convenient to try to wrap it all up. But I think Anisha's grown as a filmmaker for sure. I think this is definitely a step in the right direction for him. Well, I think the key was not in the writing, which he did with Sev Ohani. Who also wrote Searching with him. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't think it was in the writing. And I also think when two men try to write two women's parts like that, I'm always shocked if they get it perfectly. But I didn't think the writing was so great. I didn't think the dialogue was so great or brilliant or anything else. But I think both of those two women took the parts they were given and then excelled at I thought the writing was fine. I thought the directing. There's a moment where they really lean into the horror element when Chloe is starting to figure out that maybe something is wrong, where she, she tries to use the computer downstairs. And when she sits back, you see that Sarah Paulson's character is standing in the kitchen staring at her, but Chloe doesn't see it. And it takes a moment for you to notice that she's back there. By the way, I didn't see it. I didn't oh. see her there. I didn't know she was there. <laughs> I was like, oh, well done. Good job. We know where we're going with this now. Well, it's right yeah. out of Hitchcock, Well, and the whole right? premise of the movie is yeah. kind of right out of Hitchcock, except I don't know that he would have done it with two women. What's interesting is really everything they did was sort of a hats off to Stephen King. 
there's so many places, like the name of the pharmacist in the pharmacy is Kathy Bates, which, by the way, played Annie Wilkes in Stephen yeah. King's Misery. Which, which this is very much a, an homage to. Yeah. Okay, and another character in Run is Annie, and the fictional town of Derry is mentioned in Run when she calls 911. Derry is referenced in several of Stephen King's novels hmm. and short stories, including Pet Cemetery and Gerald's Game. And the movie theater in Run is called Carrie, yeah. and Carrie obviously is the novel. I mean, so Lots clearly it's. Yeah, it's an homage because I kept thinking Hitchcock. Hitchcock with lighting is the way I looked at it, but I think it was much more an homage to Stephen King. What do you mean Hitchcock with lighting? When I think of Hitchcock, partially because it was shot in black and white. Some. Some of the greats were shot in black and white. I always think of it as shot without strong lighting. And most of this takes place in the light of day. Oh, and I Hollister. think that makes the horror of it sort of cool. You and I, like I are going to have a long conversation about Hitchcock. Uh- <laughs> well, I, by the way, I, I don't watch that much Hitchcock. I've seen a couple things. I don't, I'm not really good on, in Hitchcock. And but we're going to have I- a long okay. conversation about Hitchcock. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe we'll do a whole podcast on Hitchcock moving forward. So. He actually anyways- was pretty famously surrounded by women who helped create the films that he made. So that might be a really yeah. interesting study for us to do. By the way, at their own personal expense. The actresses, sure, but I'm not talking about the, I'm talking about the women behind the camera with him. Well, in my mind, they're sort of like Jerlaine, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's, the way women looked away at how. No, Edith had created the look of Hitchcock. We're getting on such a tangent here. His wife created him. His wife was an editor. She was the reason he got into film to begin with. And she allowed his abuse of the women we're going to have a whole conversation about this. Okay. Sometimes you, you know, his methods, I don't know that I agree with them, but he got the performances he was looking for. Kubrick was the same way. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, all right, let's not go there right now. Right. Anyway, so I don't, I don't not recommend this, and I don't think it's a must-see. I can't, I'm in the middle. What about you? <laughs> I mean, I think it's ridiculous. If, if you know that you're signing on, for something that's ridiculous and fun and you're like screaming at the TV of why are you going into that room? Then go for it. The ending is amazing and absurd. And I was just like, I can't believe they went here and I'm so glad they went here. And it made me like guffaw laughing. I hope all of our audiences understand that I have just the most twisted sense of humor, apparently. (laughs) No, I, I, I saw the humor in it, and I also saw the brilliance in it, and I was not surprised by it. Oh, I was. I I was just because, you know, they, I actually don't know why I was surprised by it. I probably shouldn't have been surprised by it, but I was just, I was kind of delighted that they went there, and it takes a lot of guts to go there. Well done. You know, again, the plot was well laid out. I felt the writing and the dialogue was a bit off, and especially because it needed to be right on because there's only two people talking through most of the Yeah, film, so. I think also this is one of those movies that there's there's so little dialogue that it highlights it all that much more. And yeah. I do think in the scenes, there's like three of them where they're not talking to each other, where they're talking to other people. It's very clear that, that the writing isn't as strong as the rest of it. In the scene in the pharmacy, you can, they don't have the chemistry that Sarah Paulson has with her. And yeah. you can tell the writing feels a little flat there. But I had yeah. fun watching it. Well, Kira Allen, my message to you is I hope you get more parts and I hope someone writes a great part for you because you're fabulous on the screen, truly. 
Now we're going to end this week's podcast with our favorite films to watch or, or TV shows, mm-hmm. whatever you want during the month of December. But before I even ask you what you chose, can I just say that I was a little upset because the films I chose, I just want to start by saying, I think there's something wrong with me. I just, okay. Sounds like you're female. We all think there's something wrong with us. (laughs) Well, there you go. Everybody's putting out their December or Christmas list to watch, you know, everybody. So do you know who Anna Klutz and Amanda Klutz are? Amanda Klutz was married to Nick Cordero, who's oh, a yeah. Broadway actor. Oh, that was okay. So she's got that yeah, was it was a terrible of COVID. It was tragic. He fought the good fight, but anyway, so she and her sister have become very big influencers on Instagram, and they put out a list. And here's what's on their list. Ready? All I want for Christmas: Meet Me in St. Louis, Miracle on 34th Street, White Christmas Holiday Inn, Serendipity. Hello. Home Alone, Elf, The Holiday. I mean, I can watch The Holiday more than once, but really? Oh, I Love really Actually, The Family Stone, <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life, and While You Were Sleeping, which is the Sandra Bullock. Oh, I love do you that movie. That one? <laughs> I, do, I do too, but okay. And then like, for example, Bebe, their choices are Home Alone, The Family Stone, Love Actually, The Holiday, A Christmas Story, and Elf. Okay, and then I'm looking at my choices and I'm like, you're dark. <laughs> You're dark, Chris. Like Hollister, I'm so sorry, you guys. I, I'm going to stick with them because I'm trying to be my authentic self and not take on the persona of others around me just to get your approval. But you go first. Did you pick upbeat films here? What's your first film? I did, you- but I also chose my version of them. So obviously I picked Home Alone because I'm a millennial and I, I grew up with it and you just you have to watch Home Alone at the, at the holidays. It certainly was not on mine. Well, you know, it's, so. I do realize, though, that my watching of that movie has changed. When they open on the house, I'm like, Jesus, what does his dad do for a living that he can afford this beautiful mansion and fly everybody to France for the holiday? But, you know. All right, well, my first choice, and I can't believe I haven't seen it on any lists that are out there, are Little Women, both the 94 version and the 2019 version. And I'm going to stand by that. And I think it's a great family film. And I think it's a great feminist film, especially the 2019 version. So I picked Little Women. Okay. I think that's a great pick. I think it's a great Christmas pick. Yay. What's your next one? I went the total opposite direction of Little Women. And I chose one of my favorite Christmas movies, which is Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you, God. Thank you. Okay. Okay, you know what? I, I you know I don't know what to say to you. There's nothing feminist about it. It's just okay. It's just a wonderful movie, and anyone who doesn't think it's a Christmas movie is wrong, and that's fine. Okay, there you <laughs> go. Okay, all right. My second choice is The Godfather Part One. Okay, okay just <laughs> I think it's one of the best films ever made. But listen, if you have time for all three, watch them. But no, they don't. just 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 watch the first two. No, not true, because they just re-released The Godfather 3. He made some changes. Did they reshoot it? (laughs) Well, no, they did not. But Coppola said when Godfather 3 came out, it was panned. And they talked to a couple of people during this interview that I saw who said part of the problem was the expectation was 14 years after Godfather 1 and 2, which are considered to be two of some of the best movies ever made. Okay, so the expectation was it going to reach that height, and it just didn't and couldn't. And then also, his he placed his daughter yeah. in it, and <laughs> she was 
hand. And he said it was so interesting for him because the way he wrote the part, the godfather was totally consumed by his daughter, loved her so much. And, you know, tragically, she is assassinated. It was a bullet meant for him. And she's, well, it doesn't matter. You don't know it. It doesn't matter. And he said, and here he is, totally stricken by the way they attacked his daughter. And here it is sort of mirroring the godfather yeah. lost his daughter. Yeah. And his daughter, his wife was upset. How could you put her in this position? You yeah. know, you've ruined, you know, she, cause she was a kid. She was young, but anyway, she's bounced back took, by the way. She, you know, she has what? a great career of her own now. So, so we're she's okay. a great director. Yeah. <laughs> but what he did was in it. So he reworked Godfather three, he changed the beginning and he changed some of her scenes. And what the reviewers are saying now is she's much better than people gave her credit for then. Mm. And it's a stronger performance now that it's been reworked. So maybe you should watch it again. Just saying. I mean, I'm okay, happy well, to watch The Godfather all the way through whenever I have the opportunity. So I know yeah. I couldn't agree. Are you? This is your last chance. What's your third pick? I think you might appreciate this, given what I saw you post on which West Wing episode oh. you were watching recently. <laughs> yes. My last pick is a Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, I love the oh, Muppets. Nice. They are delightful and never fail to make me laugh and i love you know i think it's the best version of a christmas carol that's out there actually i, l- I like that choice uh, my last pick is heidi the one with shirley temple oh lovely with the, grand- with the grandfather you know it's and not it ends all at dark. christmas your your list uh, it's not all dark all right, Heidi is kidnapped. I mean, come on. I mean, it's dark, but it's really simple. So The Godfather, everybody shot dead. Well, no, okay. Well, The Godfather, I'll give you. Pretty dark. Little women. And little women, they're very but poor. But Heidi's, they're very Heidi, poor. I know it's got some dark elements to it, but it's not a dark movie. Okay, I'm just saying, mind filled with sadness or stress or so you're one of those life. holiday people. <laughs> apparently i didn't know but when i saw these lists i thought oh please you know get a life you guys seriously <laughs> I mean, you know anyway anyway i wish you all a happy holiday season and if you didn't like my list please send us your picks at screenthoughts at gmail.com and we'll read them off next week so if you didn't like what we chose tell us what you chose right absolutely i want to hopefully get some new movies to watch yeah exactly so we'll see you all next week and uh thanks for listening Thank you.